This week on the Rail Splitter podcast, we are talking about books, books that we read and enjoyed about Abraham Lincoln, the Civil War, and maybe some other subjects in 2018, and books that we are looking forward to reading in 2019. Frontier of hope and possibility. Being excellent to each other and party on, dudes! Welcome to The Real Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln podcast. I'm your co host, Mary, and joining me tonight is Real Splitter Nick. Hey, what's up, everybody, in Bizarro World tonight? <laughs> And you might have noticed that we are down one. Um, Rail Splitter Jeremy is not with us tonight, but we do have a very nice message from him. So we'll play that for you right now. Hey, Rail Splitter Nation, this is Rail Splitter Jeremy. Just wanted to jump on the beginning of this episode to let everyone know that my work life and school life has kind of taken off a little bit and this semester is really getting a little stressful for me so i'm actually going to step away from the podcast for the time being but have no fear rail splitter nick and rail splitter mary will be coming at you as often as we can hopefully every week with great rail splitter content and there could not be two better friends and better people to take the reins of the Rail Splitter podcast. Uh, I will be back for the Ron Ronald White episode after Nick and I attend his lecture here in Rockford, Illinois. So any of those, any Rail Splitters who are joining us, I will be there and we'll definitely chat about it and maybe even record a little bit. Um, so I'm just going to take a few weeks off to focus on family, focus on um, school and work and all those kinds of things and thank everyone for your support. Everything is good here, but uh, I just need to take take a little time and uh, uh, spend some time, like I said, uh, getting Handling, handling my business. So uh, thanks again for all the support, uh, and thanks especially uh, to Mary and Nick uh, for lifting me up through this uh, little time here, and um, we'll be back at you. I'll be back at you very, very soon in February. But until then, enjoy the Rail Splitter podcast and enjoy Rail Splitter Nick, Rail Splitter Mary, their guests, their guest hosts, all that kind of stuff that's coming up. Uh, and I have no doubt that the show will uh, continue in a positive direction. So thank you, everyone. Peace. And the show is definitely not the same without Jeremy, but Nick and I are going to do our best to bring our listeners what they expect from the Rail Splitter podcast, but it might have a few more WWE jokes and some Fillmore uh, references and maybe some references to Sherman than what you're used to, but we promise to bring you the same content that you all of our awesome listeners expect. Yeah, a little bit of bizarro world here, you know. Mary's in a new setup, this new chair that I'm seeing her on the screen in. Yep. Um, so this is the first show for both of us without uh, Jeremy. So, um, yeah, so we'll try to hold it together the best that we can, and we'll see what the hell happens. So I guess he's on like a hibernation, like a bear. Yep. Jeremy the bear boy. Yeah. That's what we're going to call him <laughs> from now on. Jeremy the now, bear. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he'll jump on here sooner than what he thought and be like, dude, this is terrible. I yep. can't live. I'm coming back. <laughs> but uh, no, we'll definitely miss you, man, um, uh, on the show. I'll still see him at work. And I just talked to him today, actually. Um, so, um, yeah, 
But um, yeah, don't punish us too much in the ratings. Listen to another episode where he's hosting, yeah. then rate us. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Don't <laughs> don't judge us by this episode. Um, I probably won't be everybody's favorite after this because they'll realize that me and smaller quantities is actually better. So <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> anyway, before we get started on talking about books, uh, Nick, do you have anything from news to report at all? Man, I like how you you. We actually talked about this right beforehand, but you're playing it off well, like we did. And I like. I know, it. yeah, it's not great. And then I totally ruined it for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw you tweeted today because the State of the Union here in America, I'm talking, is kind of. I don't really know what the hell's happening. Basically, Trump, each president since like the '60s, have given a televised State of the Union address. Um, just like every president has done before. We'll talk a little bit about the difference here shortly, what some others did. But Trump typically gives it. He was supposed to give it, or he's scheduled to give it to 29th, which is next week. We are in a government shutdown right now, uh, you know, over this whole immigration issue. And the House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, says, no, you're not giving the speech. And then I guess you need the permission from the House to actually go there and give the speech. So right now we're kind of in this limbo of the State of the Union. And then that led me to Lincoln. Didn't we talk about Lincoln's State of the Union before? We had a whole, we did a whole episode about uh, the State of the Union, which was at that time called the Message to Congress and usually given every December. Okay, I was looking for that episode number. So you should go back, listen to that one, whatever it was. Um, But yeah, but it was always written or it was... Since I think it was Jefferson decided he did not want to give it, um, read it there. So mm-hmm. he gave a written statement. I think it was like that for like 100 years. Yeah. And then so Lincoln's, each of his State of the Unions were a written address given to them. So I don't know. Kind of interesting. Yeah. And I, I would recommend listening to our episode about the State of the Union because um, in it we talk about how like Lincoln would make – references in the state of the union but then those references would pop up in later speeches like in the gettysburg address and all that so parts of the state of the union uh, or not state of the union but the letter and message to congress are definitely worth reading that he wrote because they show his evolution as a president um that's what i found when i was doing the research and um i think i mentioned that um in the show that we recorded about them too no i noticed the same when we were preparing Mm -hmm. for those shows for sure And then I did look up, uh, the Constitution says, shall from time to time give to Congress information of the State of the Union. So it does not say that it has to be done in person on a particular date. Um, So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how things play out. That seems to be the status quo here in America. Wow. Another thing that I saw in addition to that is, did you see, Mary, where they invited the Clemson football team? I did. <laughs> so, <laughs> that picture of Lincoln. <laughs> so those of you not familiar, typically in America, I know most of our listeners are Americans. I don't know why I'm doing this. Uh, but I guess Ben is in England. Shout out to England, Ben. Um, but yeah, the president has sports teams out. Clemson recently won the national NCAA football um, championship. They were invited out. So Trump basically catered all fast food. 
To be honest, I think it'd be pretty awesome to be eating a Big Mac in the White House. Yeah, it would. Yeah. So I'm on board with that. But he just had it like laid out, and then like he posted on Twitter where he's just like talk about the fast food, and then like Lincoln's right above him, um, the portrait that's in there, which is an odd place for a Lincoln portrait in the state dining. Room. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's just like hovering over him, and there was a ton of good memes. So I don't know if you saw any of those on Twitter. I did, and there was um, there was I think it was Civil War humor on Twitter. He he tweeted about it and he said Lincoln is thinking for the second time if there's a if there's a place worse than hell I'm in it yeah <laughs> so that painting I guess was actually um, the depiction of Lincoln was based off the Peacemakers mm-hmm. painting yep. which yeah. I know that you love so. oh yeah um, and then I guess it was given to Grant but he rejected it um, and put a different portrait of Lincoln up Robert Tata ended up buy, buying it, and somehow in 1939, nobody really knows, but somebody put it up in there. So, Interesting. It pretty, yeah, it's been up there since. It was taken down for a brief hiatus in 1973, mm-hmm. but been up there ever since. So, yeah, It's not my favorite portrait of Lincoln. Like, I like it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I like the, the whole Peacemakers as a whole painting, but that portrait is not... Um, my favorite one of him, but I still like it. It's pretty cool. Um, but I just like seeing it in the pictures with Trump was it. It kind of made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I just started Ronald White's Lincoln biography. Yeah, and he was talking about you know like his early picture, where his hair is like combed to the side. Yeah, dude, that is the worst Lincoln picture I think of all time. Uh, my favorite is the uh, the Gettysburg photo taken yeah. in eighteen sixty three. That's I think my favorite one of him. That's a solid one. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he looks so strong and determined in that. And at the time it was, you know, the civil war, it's basically right in the middle. Um, but then to look at pictures of him, you know, like two years later or not even two years later, I guess it, like, he just looks so much more, you can see what the war has done to him. Yeah, yeah. I know that's Springfield does like uh, at this museum, a couple little theaters and one's like the face of Lincoln and just how it changes over the years, mm-hmm. um, which I think a lot of people have seen or really focus on his eyes, yep. which I find very um, intriguing. Yeah. But yeah, so Lincoln definitely aged over time. Oh, for sure. As most presidents do. Yes. Definitely. Um, I wonder what Trump will look like in a couple oh, of years. God. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to think about that. So, do you have any other news for us, Nick? Uh, yeah, the one other thing that came across: uh, Mattis, uh, General mm-hmm. Mad Dog Mattis, resigned, um, and he gave a farewell message to Department of Defense, and he dropped another Lincoln quote. Um, he starts out his farewell by saying, "On February first, eighteen sixty-five, President Lincoln sent to General uh, to General Grant. We'll go with a one-sentence telegram. It read: Let nothing which is transpiring change, hinder, or delay your military movements or plans.' Um, so, just kind of the legacy of Lincoln living on still. So, from General Mattis to both uh, both political parties, always quoting Lincoln. So, yeah, interesting. I find that I find that very fascinating. That you know, he's still. I I, I sometimes wonder if he is the most quoted president by other presidents yeah i i would love to do an episode i don't know how we would do it but just like all the misuse of lincoln quotes or misquoting of 
Lincoln would be fascinating. Yeah, there's so many. Like I, when we were in, when my friend and I were in Gettysburg, actually Lincoln belongs to the ages and I were in Gettysburg, there was this one shirt we saw and I can't remember what the quote was, but um, Jeff is pretty good with, you know, what Lincoln said and what he didn't say. And he took one look at the shirt and he was like, Lincoln didn't say that. And I think it was, it might've been something at the Gettysburg Visitor Center, but I can't remember for sure. But there's a lot of that out there. And I think it would make a really interesting episode. Yeah. Man, if he knows Lincoln that well, he should just start doing like uh, McDermott does. And then, so Lincoln Loons, see like Lincoln misquotes. Yeah, actually he does that sometimes. Oh, he does? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Now I feel bad considering yeah. I follow. <laughs> no, I do read. <laughs> he has, actually, Nick, he hasn't done it in a long time. Yeah. So, no, you're good. Don't worry about it. Hey, he was just in Egypt, wasn't he? Uh, like, or is that somebody else? Three or four years ago, he okay. was in Egypt. He just, yeah, he just was. He just tweeted about Egypt. Yeah, yeah, he was in Egypt. He and his wife went like three or four years ago, I think. So, so I do read your tweets, Jeff. So, yeah. um, <laughs> believe it or not, almost got caught in a lie. No, I've been watching a lot of Veep. Have you seen that on HBO? No. Uh, is it good? It is good, but okay. there's a lot of like stupid stuff where they get caught in lies. Oh, like, right. the, but I was not lying. though, is the point. No, but it made me think I was in a beat. <laughs> so. I'll let you uh, get this uh, this train back on track. All here. right, so we are talking books. So we're going to start off with uh, books that we read in 2018, um, and I just picked like four different ones to discuss briefly. Does that sound good to you, Nick? Okay, so the first one um, that I picked was Mary Lincoln, Southern Girl, Northern Woman by Dr. Stacey Pratt McDermott, who about a year ago, she was a guest on her show, and she was a wonderful guest. We learned so much about Mary Lincoln. Uh, Jeremy learned that, don't call her Mary Todd Lincoln, (laughs) (laughs) which we still laugh about on the show from time to time. If you're a frequent listener, then you'll know that. Um, but this book was very well written, and through reading it, I came to have an even better appreciation of Mary Lincoln. Uh, it's a very even-keeled bio, and there's not really any bias. Like, Stacy just presents Mary as she was, you know, from her um, from her childhood right through to um, her death. And she tells Mary's story, and she just tells it so well. And um, I've been lucky enough to hear... Um, Dr. McDermott speak um, at the First Lady's Library in Canton, Ohio a couple years ago, and she is a wonderful speaker. She's a wonderful person, and I can't recommend her book enough. Um, It's a great way to get started on Mary Lincoln, and even if you already know a little bit about her, it's just great to read. Like, it's such a great book. Yeah, she was a great guest, too. Mm -hmm. That's an episode worth looking at. Very knowledgeable on Mary Lincoln. Um. I read a Mary Lincoln book. I can't remember if it was hers or not, um, and I don't have it pulled up. But um, I appreciate doing that episode because it forced me or it got me to do some research mm-hmm. uh, on Mary Lincoln and find out more about her. So, And that's just been one of the great things to do in the podcast in general. But, yeah, you get a whole new appreciation when you really start to dive in and all the tragedies she suffered. I mean, from her mom dying when she was very young um, to, you know, basically losing just about every son but one. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Mary does, uh, Dr. McDermott does such a good job kind of laying it out, mm-hmm. um, and getting you to think about that. Yeah. And big- it was rather funny, 
uh, when we both let Jeremy mention yep. Mary Todd Lincoln, because we both knew better. Oh, we did. Yes, that was that was so really good. So I guess half of that is on us. Yeah, <laughs> it was still fun, though. Yes. So what's one of your books from 2018, Nick? Uh, so I actually had the notes from when we did this episode in 2018, and I went back, and I didn't do so hot on the list that I wanted to read. I don't think I did either. <laughs> um, one of the books, uh, I'll go with the Fredericksburg one that I just mm-hmm. read. That was really well done. Um, I think he just did a great job explaining it. I think I have it laying in here. Who was it by? It is by Francis O'Reilly. Okay. So, um, very great account, very detailed, um, which I appreciate a lot of like where the troops were on the lines, a lot of breakdown on that. I know for some people, they, they don't care for that stuff. Mm-hmm. It helps me visually, though. But if you get past some of those paragraphs, like it doesn't go on for pages talking okay. about just that. I think he does a very nice job just explaining the troop movements, why decisions were made, um, and just being very very factual. I mean, the research he must put into this was had to be extensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know he still works there, too, um, because when we did our epic march, um, they were sad for us that the museum was not open because they wanted us to have a signed copy. But maybe one day I'll meet him, Mr. O'Reilly, again. Oh, it's, it's, I find in the Civil War uh, world and Abraham Lincoln world in general, it is so easy to connect with and meet the authors and talk to them. Like I met Jeff Shara when I was in Gettysburg. He happened to be there signing books. Um, and I, I think it's, um, and I've heard from other people too, you know, they're like, Oh, I've met this author. I've met that author. And it just seems like a lot of them are very approachable, which is great to be able to go up and talk to them about um, their book or, or what they're currently working on is just, and I mean, I think we've experienced that in the show too, with, you know, some of the guests that we've had as well, that the civil war world is a very small world and everybody seems very nice and approachable. Yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. So I know just when we meet and, you know, I was at a conference um, before and I just ran into a couple of people worked at the museum and they have heard of us. They were nice and speaking. So, and I think we've seen that with a lot of our guests, because it doesn't take much badgering usually to get them on. Mm-mm. It's usually just yeah. one email. Oh, yeah, we'd love to do it. So, um, And we're definitely not giving away any money or any goodie bags. So. No. <laughs> no. But, uh, yeah, it, it was a good book. And I know there's not many, because I was looking for books on Fredericksburg. Mm-hmm. There's not many out there. Um, it's really limited. So um, this one has been kind of universally praised, too, as probably the best Fredericksburg and it's just titled The Fredericksburg Campaign. So, oh, very cool. Um, if you're interested in reading about it, I'd recommend it. Awesome. So my next book is A Fierce Glory by Justin Martin. And um, I was able to get an advanced copy of this electronically from DeCapo Press, who published the book. Um, but it was so good that I ended up buying my own copy because I felt like, you know, throwing some money towards the, you know, giving the author a little bit of money. Um, anyway, it is an excellent account of the Battle of Antietam, and it's told not just from the perspective of the battle, but also what was happening in Washington with Lincoln at the time. And it's like tells about the impact of the battle with the Emancipation Proclamation. And it's perfect for people who kind of get lost with a lot of details 
in like, you know, these troops are over here and this regiment and this brigade led by this guy. Martin doesn't really go into a lot of detail about that, but he goes into enough detail that you will not only learn about the battle, but that you will feel connected to some of the soldiers who fought it because he uses like actual, like goes back to their journals, their diaries, like written accounts of it. And he just weaves this story back and forth between Antietam and Washington that it it plays out like a movie and I would love to see it as a movie. And it's a book that I recommend to people that, you know, I, some of my followers on Twitter will say, oh, recommend a book about battles that isn't overwhelming. This one would be the one to start with about Antietam. And then once you read it, then you can go into some of the more, like, I guess the hardcore books about the battles where they're talking about this brigade was led by this guy and it was in this division and all that. And I wish there were more books out there like this about battles, because I think like some people feel intimidated when they pick up like a 600 page book about the battle of Gettysburg and they're like, Oh shit. Like, how am I going to get through this? Um, whereas this one I think was around 200 and something pages, if that. So it's not overwhelming. It's not intimidating. And it's a great place to start learning about battles. No, yeah, I agree. The battle books can be very intimidating. Mm-hmm. So uh, Frederick's pa- campaign might not be the best one to start with. <laughs> so, How'd you score the free copy? They emailed me. Man, <laughs> I got to get Civil War fan guy out. <laughs> Does that happen to you often? No, this is the first one. And I haven't, I haven't had any since, so I was all like, yes, I will. I still have to write a review of it on my blog. Oh, that's like the deal then? Well, they or... just said, can you please... T-? I Like, I tweeted about it on social media as I was reading it. Um, I'm going to email them and let them know that I discussed it on our podcast. Mm-hmm. And maybe that will lead into, like, maybe I'll say, hey, if you have any other books, we're happy to discuss them. Yeah, we we do a book club, so... Yeah. Give us the newest book coming out. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, and they were, like, I think they're a smaller publishing company, so they're probably always looking for people to read and review for them. Yeah. When I was looking at upcoming books, I stumbled across uh, David Kent's um, blog, who -hmm. was the author of our first book club book, which the title is Slipping My Mind. Abraham Lincoln, The Man That Saved America. Yes. And he mentioned us in his 2008 year review that he was on the podcast. Oh, so. that's awesome. So if you're listening, thanks for the shout out. Yes, thank you. All right, so I'm up. Yes, you are. Searching for George Gordon Meade, the Forgot Victor of Gettysburg. I love that book. I bought that when we were prepping for the the Meade episode. Mm-hmm. Did not know a lot about Meade. Um, pre or post even um, Gettysburg. So just a lot of great information, a great rundown, um, you know, all his life before um, the Civil War even started. Fascinating stuff. Um, You know, his ties to Philly. Um, At Fredericksburg, he plays a huge role in there Mm -hmm. too. So, I mean, he really has an established Civil War battle record um, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and most people don't realize that just if they recognize him at all, it's from Gettysburg. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I love that book. It's a great read on him. Um, I think it's one of the better reviewed ones out there on Mead as well. Um, so I recommend that for our viewers. 
And I definitely second that recommendation. That book is, it's one of my favorites. Um, and it really made me appreciate and respect Mead. And the more I read about Gettysburg, the more I do grow to respect him and all that he did. I mean, he was basically given the worst first week on the job ever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's kind of like some guys like, oh, I just started working and I couldn't work the photocopier and meets like, hold my beer. <laughs> like, like, he gets command and less than 48 hours later, he's he's fighting a battle. And how he had to move all those troops into position and all that is just like, I have a great amount of respect for that man. Yeah, no, I mean, without a doubt. And then I think, you know, he gets criticized for not ending it with Lee, but losing that many lives and fighting that hard for three days and that heat, I think, plus it rain, you know. The rain. I, I think people are a little too harsh on his lack of follow-up there. So Yeah, well, when your army's broken, it yep. takes a lot to recognize that they're broken and they need to rest. And Meade, Meade made what was probably an incredibly hard decision, but he made the right one, I think, at the time. Agreed. And then he'll become a good compliment to Grant and Sherman as well. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's definitely one of the reasons the Union wins. Yeah, definitely. So my next book is Through the Heart of Dixie, Sherman's March and American Memory by Anne Sarah Rubin, because really, would you think that I would go through 2018 without w- <laughs> reading a thing about my favorite general? Um, so this book is about Sherman's March and how it has been interpreted over the years, um, including up to the present day, and just the myths surrounding it. Um it's very well written. Um, she looks at it from a lot of different perspectives. She even looks at different movies and books that have included the march. Um, and she's not just like, it's a very like kind of neutral view of it. So she's talking about the bad stuff to do with Sherman too, like the bad things that happened on the march, like Ebenezer Creek when there was um, some freed slaves that ended up drowning when um, he was Union general, but he had the same name as the Confederate president. Jefferson Davis, he ended up pulling up the pontoon bridge before all the freed slaves could cross, and a lot of them ended up drowning. So she addresses that, which is not, it's kind of a darker side to history, but, um, you know, she dispels some myths, and and I thought it was a very, like, just well-balanced view of his march, and I learned a lot from it. What was her name? Anne Sarah Rubin. Okay. Have you read the one Sherman's March, Brooke Davis, or Brooke Davis? Not yet. Okay, I bought that on my Kindle. It was like a sale. Oh, okay. So I was just curious. I have one called Southern Storm, which is written by Noah Andre Trudeau, who's one of my favorite authors. And I haven't read it yet, but it's been sitting on my bookshelf for like two years. So maybe 2019 will be the year for that one. Yeah, based on my list, the way I tackle stuff, it will not for me. Same here. <laughs> so, okay, I'm up. Yep. Um, I'm going to go off. The Star are the Civil War bandwagon and get on the Star Wars bandwagon. And this might be an unpopular opinion, but I read the Cantobite novel that was put out. I know Cantobite, a lot of people hate that sequence in the most recent Star Wars uh Star Wars. Um But the book I enjoyed. It's like four or five short stories of just like individuals who go there. Um, one's dealing with like a gambler. One's dealing with like a guy who wins a trip from his company. So it's just these different stories that take place in like this corrupt city. What's basically like Las Vegas, um, and you know, in, in real world. 
Um, and I enjoyed it a great deal. Just kind of the stories that they told. Um, I just like that stuff. So kind of the six different stories kind of intertwine. Eh, not really intertwine. They're each mm-hmm. separate. So you're able to kind of take it a bit at a time. So I did achieve my one reading goal that I actually knocked out was to get caught up on all uh, Star Wars canon novels. And I done it. So Congratulations. Adult young readers, like the younger ones, not so much. But anyways, the major ones I have gotten all caught up. So Awesome. Um, I am pretty stoked. There's a lot coming out, though, in 2019. Well, I think we do have some Star Wars fans that li- listen to this show, especially considering we did the crossover episode. Yeah. So, yeah, I have not completed the graphic novels yet, though, but still chipping away at that. Life goals. Yeah, important life goals. Yes. So my um, final ones for 2018 are actually audiobooks, um, and they're both in the same series by Jeff Shara. They're in his Western series of the Civil Theater of the Civil War. Um, so first one is A Blaze of Glory, which is about Shiloh, and the next one is uh, A Chain of Thunder, which is about Vicksburg. And the audiobooks are excellent. The narrator is Paul Michael, and this makes or breaks audiobooks for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I said, Western theater of the war and each chapter is told from a different character's perspective. So like you have Sherman Grant, Albert Sidney Johnston. Um, there's one soldier called Fritz Bauer who fights for the union. Um, and he actually existed. Uh, Patrick Claiborne is in the latest one that I just finished and he was a Confederate general. Um, but they, the way he tells the story, like you feel like you get to know, you know them so much better and I usually come away from it wanting to learn more about them and it's kind of like Game of Thrones for me because I started really enjoying characters that I didn't think I would like like I found myself looking forward to Albert Sidney Johnson's chapters because it was so interesting to kind of like quote-unquote see things from from that perspective and what he was doing at Shiloh and I came to understand the battle better from both sides through this historical fiction. Um, and I do really enjoy Shara's portrayal of Sherman. And I think the reason for that is the narrator, I think, does a really good job with him. But when I met Jeff Shara, I walked up to him and was like, I love your books. And Sherman's my favorite character. And then I showed him my phone case. And he's like, oh, you're kind of fanatical about that. Are you? And I'm like, yeah, just a little bit. But he was a really nice guy to, to meet and talk to, and I was able to talk to him for a few minutes. But um, whether you listen to audio or read them, they're very well-written books. I also met him at Gettysburg when we went. This Did had you? to be – because you just met him, what, this year? Yeah. It had to be like three or four years ago, and it was one – it was either the Shiloh book. What's the Shiloh one called? Blaze of Glory. It's got like a cannon on the cover? Yes. Yeah. I think it was that one he was promoting at that time okay and then because i got a signed copy of that so um i've read both i love them um for the same reasons you said uh the vicksburg one really kind of got me interested in that gave Mm -hmm. me not that i wasn't but it kind of gave me a better visual in my head of how things played out because vicksburg's so long oh yeah it's really complicated there was many attempts to take it um and then just kind of the Grant dialogue and, you know, Sherman dialogue during mm-hmm. that is great. 
And and I think the best thing historical novel is to you know get you invested in that moment so you go and do further research. Yeah. And, and for me, his books do that every time because I read all the Civil War ones. I read his Mexican American War one. Um, he has a World War One, I, I think, series. Mm-hmm. He did. And I think he's doing a Korean War now. Yeah, and I think he's got World War Two. He was promoting, I think, I think it's called The Frozen Hours, which is about the Korean War, and that's his latest one. And he was promoting that, um, which I hope to get around to reading at some point. But yeah, like I get what you're saying about wanting to learn more. Like I just finished listening to The Smoke at Dawn, which was kind of my first book that I finished unquote, reading in 2019. And it's about um, the aftermath of Chickamauga and the Battle of Lookout Mountain. And I came away from it wanting to learn more about Patrick Claiborne because he beat Sherman. And I was like, well, I want to learn more about the guy that was able to to do that. And I came away understanding the battle better as well because I had been to Lookout Mountain. So those scenes with Lookout Mountain, I was able to visualize them so well and came to have a better understanding and also more respect for those troops that took that mountain. Like that was a huge feat to walk, like to fight their way up it. Yeah. And yeah, his books just do a great job. Just giving personality to them. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you kind of, I think both times I kind of agree with where he goes, but even sometimes when I disagreed maybe with the character, like on how he portrays the individual, it's still just, it gets you to think about how, who they were as a person and personality. And I, and I think yeah. that's good. Yeah. Um, and I know maybe some hardcore historians kind of poo poo these historical novels, but if it generates is- interest, it's a win win for everybody. Exactly. I, I recommend them to so many people. They say, what's the best historical fiction to get into for the Civil War? I recommend Jeff Scherer all the time. And like, I also love that it's from Union and Confederate to get both that, Mm -hmm. just to know what was going on on both sides. And um, it was just like, I get drawn into it to where I'm like, okay, I want to listen to just one more chapter. And then it's like three chapters later. Like, that's how it is for me. Yes, I agree. That was the same way when I read that. You could easily find yourself staying up way too late (laughs) on a work night reading that stuff. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it, it would be a great Civil War uh, historical novel for somebody who's just looking to get mm-hmm. invested and just wants to know more in an interesting, maybe more compelling way, just for, for somebody who doesn't know um, all the details like we like to pretend we know. Yes. <laughs> Armchair generals. Yes. yes. <laughs> so do you have any more books for 2018? Oh, gosh. I really, I really enjoy the newest Thrawn that came out. He's an interesting character in the Star Wars universe. Okay. Um, nothing really stands out. It's just mostly for me. Lincoln, Civil War, Star Wars this year. Mm-hmm. Just got busy doing other stuff. Yeah, that was I, me too. Out of my statistics, I had three Lincoln books I wanted to knock out. Um, I got The Manhunt down. A Lincoln by Ronald White. I'm reading that now, so I guess I didn't do that. Didn't get the other one. I had two alternative history Lincoln ones. Abe Lincoln, Public Enemy 1, didn't get it done. The Impeachment of Lincoln, nope. I haven't read that one yet either. Uh, Lincoln Pathfinder, thanks to the viewers, didn't get that one done. Um, Just kidding. 
But that's still, I still literally want to read that. I had the Grant Ronald White, but I have a plan, which I'll mention for 2019. Mm-hmm. Eric Vonner's Reconstruction. Still need to get that one done, definitely. And then the Star Wars one's the only one I achieved. And I didn't get my Chester A. Arthur bio. Oh. Well, yeah. Where's Fillmore? I'm not reading anything about that ass. <laughs> that jerk. <laughs> So are we ready to move into 2019 now? <laughs> are there even a biography out there on Miller Fillmore? There probably is. A good one? That's not written by like his mom or his grandma <laughs> or son or something? His niece or something? like Yeah. Tweet at me. I want to know. Yeah, tweet the show if there is a good Miller Fillmore bio and I won't read it. <laughs> I was just going to say, and Nick will read it and review it on the show. Hell no. I won't read that. All right, what you got for 2019? So 2019, so as I mentioned, I've already finished The Smoke at Dawn. And I finished a really short one about Gettysburg called Fight Like the Devil by Chris Makowski, Christopher D. White, and Daniel T. Davis. Um, it's wait, the- wait. You started these in this year and have already finished them? Yes. Well, show up. What do you work at, a library? Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, the Fight Like the Devil's um, part of the Emerging Civil War series. Um, and they're great little books, usually about 130 pages long about, you know, either a full battle or like day one, day two, which is what they've done for Gettysburg. Um, and they're great to have when you're going on tours of the battlefield as well. So this one fight like the devil's about day one at Gettysburg. They've got it laid out so that you can take it on the tour with you and telling you which stop to go to. Um, so it's really great for like hardcore battlefield touring, I think. Um, uh, are those the ones that are written in that terrible font? Yes. It's like cursive. Yes. That's the ugliest font ever. Yeah, it's it makes them distinctive because I go looking for that whenever I'm in bookstores. So those are worth reading. They are, those. yeah. Yeah, okay. I do. I do like them. The one for um, – because when I go back to Gettysburg again, I plan on spending one day on day one, one day on day two, and one day on day three. And I wanted something yep. detailed to to reference that. Um so, and I'm currently reading Gettysburg Attesting a Courage by Noah Andre Trudeau. And I'm about halfway through and it's really good. It's, some parts of it are really overwhelming because it's a lot of details. And I finally had to tell myself, you're not going to remember it all. Just remember a general outline of how the battle played out. Agreed. Yes, I, I'm like the same way. So I love, uh, there's a lot of good Civil War battlefield atlases. I mm-hmm. like to have that. Uh, when I go to the battlefields. Yeah. So. And you're reading A. Lincoln right now? Yeah, right now I just started reading that because he's coming um, to Rockford mm-hmm. uh, the end of next month. So, and we got tickets already. So I've been reading that. So that's my plan is to knock that one out. And then, well, this kind of ties in. I'm going to go on a grant binge, I think. Nice. I'm going to. Depending when I get done with Lincoln's White, I might go, if I still have a couple weeks, I might try to get started on the Ronald C. White Grant bio. It's really good. And then I got his memoirs, which I started, but I never finished. Do that again. And then the Chernow bio. And then when I was in Fredericksburg, I picked up from the Civil War. It's called Campaigning with Grant from Horace Porter. Okay, yep. Um, his account is from the 
collector's library of the Civil War. I never know if you heard about this editions, but there's several of these out there. Um, so I'm just going to kind of combine them and just pack them in together, I think. that's have We haven't done an episode about General Grant yet, have we? Yeah, so in uh, December... When I finally get done with them all, we should do We will one. do an episode <laughs> about General Grant. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to go on a Grant binge. Because nice. I really like Grant. So, And then maybe I'll get a Grant tattoo afterwards. Sounds on good. My, on my face. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking forward to 2019 to reading. Um, and I'm going to be like you. I'm going to look back on my list in 2020 and see if I actually did this. Lincoln and the Power of the Press by Harold Holzer. Uh, General John Buford by Edward G. Longacre, which I picked up at the Gettysburg Visitor Center. That Fateful Lightning by Jeff Shara, which is the final book in his Western theater series. And I have to say, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm dreading it because I don't want it to end. I'm not ready to leave those characters yet. Um, Lincoln's Last Trial by Dan Abram and Stonewall of the West, Patrick Claiborne and the Civil War by Craig L. Simmons. I also have Lincoln's Last Trial on my list. Nice. That interests me. I came across one when I was just like doing research earlier today. The Six Encounters with Lincoln. Have you heard this? Yes, I have. It's kind of a negative portrayal of mm-hmm. Lincoln. I don't know. It kind of intrigued me. There's Have a f- you heard good or bad things about it? I I don't think they've been very good. Like any book that portrays him negatively, I haven't heard anything good about it because they usually are like kind of the cherry picking, like, oh, let's pick this quote yeah. and run with it. So I had, a, I guess I kind of, I was worried about how the historical community has viewed that one. Um, there's a book out there, Lincoln's Body, A Cultural History, mm-hmm. where kind of, uh, I, I don't know why that intrigued me. Something different. Um, and I think I'm going to try to do Start Burning Game at some point. I was thinking about that too, but then I saw my list and I'm like, oh, I don't want to be over ambitious. But then I tend to like, sometimes like I'll finish a book and be like, well, what am I, am I in the mood for? And I'll just grab, yeah. grab some random one off my shelf. But I didn't look at what new books are coming out about Lincoln because... I just spent my $100 Amazon gift card. <laughs> yeah, what'd you get with that? I got, um, so I got the the Claiborne biography, and I got um, um, the book about Antietam, Fierce Glory, mm-hmm. and I got a book about Chickamauga as well, and then this is really bad when you can't remember what else you ordered. <laughs> Hey, that happens. I think I got the second book in this uh, Chickamauga uh, trilogy as well. It has yet to arrive. Um, And then I think I got, um, oh, yeah, I got a book about Chancellorsville, too, by Sears. Yeah, I need to start diving into Chancellorsville. Mm -hmm. I got The Field of Blood by Joanne Freeman, which has been pretty well received by the history community. That's definitely on my list. Talks about kind of the just how violent and tense stuff got um, just within Congress, I believe. So, And then for Christmas, I got those John Lewis graphic novels. Oh, yeah. John Lewis was the civil rights yep. leader. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of excited to dive into that. Just to kind of uh, – probably when I'm kind of getting burned out and reading, 
I'll go to that because it's more of the graphic novels. It's mm-hmm. a different type of reading. So, and then my Star Wars, man. Oh, the course. Third Thrawn, Queen Shadow, Master and Apprentice, Alphabet Squadron. Oh, it's going to be a good year. Good year of reading. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, oh, and then, you know, we've also got our Lincoln's Greatest Speech that we're reading for the, the book club as well. And I'm sure we'll do another book club later this year too that you'll get to pick even sure. though it'll be up to our viewers you're everybody's favorite real splitter nick <laughs> i doubt anymore after this episode <laughs> like, I, oh man i think we're doing okay <laughs> i'm not used to talking this much during the podcast <laughs> no, neither am i well it's my first time kind of doing like it's just the two of us so but i think we're doing pretty good so I know back when, uh, before you were on the show, I was drinking in those days. And I'd usually, I'd always make sure I had two beers sitting there. So this is the first two-person one I've done probably sober. Yeah, um, I'm I'm having a beer right now. You always have a beer, don't yep, you? Yeah, I do. Yep. The end of the show. Yep. Mary's an alcoholic. For, no, I'm just joking. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking? I am drinking um, local um craft brewery called cowbell and it's located in blythe ontario about 20 minutes outside of town and they're it's a beautiful place to go really nice to eat i am drinking their it's called doc produce bobcat so west coast red ale nice it's very very good i know i mentioned this last week or whenever we talked about fredericksburg but man there was all sorts of local like breweries down there Mm -hmm. and then like if you're like a drinking Civil War person, uh, Fredericksburg is a good place to go because there was just like place after place, wow. and then there was like literally a shop beer exchange. Oh like, my god! I don't even know how that works. It was closed, but I was really fascinated wow. <laughs> by like, um, yeah. So there's a lot of beer to be drank. Yeah, there's there's one in Gettysburg called Appalachian Brewing Company, and I really like yeah, their beers. I've been there. Um, it's kind of off on the where uh, they came in, right? Yes. Where Buford was? Yeah. I think, yeah. Or, Am I no, correct or no? No, it's, I'm trying to think of how to describe. I think it's at the opposite end of that. Where the Confederates were coming, yes. right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, that's what I, yeah. That's yep. same, yeah. Like, uh, I can't think of the directions. The Confederates came from the north. Yeah, they did come from the north, right? Okay. Yeah. So it's north of where uh, Reynolds was killed. I think so, yes. What's that street, the road? Oh. I can't even think. Is it? It might be on Steinware. No, Emmitsburg. Yes. Emmitsburg. Yeah, I, yep. I'm probably totally wrong in that. And then their building was kind of like logish, like woodish looking. I, I don't know. I think so. No, it's it got a lot of gla- like like big open concept. I know I've been there. Yeah, I went there a couple then, times. Dude, we went to some Irish bar in town, and I think it's kind of like sat downstairs. Is it the Gary Maybe. Owen? I think so. Is that where the, uh, God, what's the guy's name? John Tattooed, Tattooed Historian. Yep, he's there. Yep, that's where yeah, he records from. Yep. So, best damn onion rings I've ever had, if it's the same place. Yeah, I really regret not getting there the last time. Like, I spent a lot of time at the Blue and Gray which is my absolute favorite place to eat there. They have, um, I'm not vegetarian, but I do love veggie burgers. They have 
one of the best veggie burgers I've ever had. Dude, there's got to be like somebody who like a Civil War food, Civil War battle food expert that we should get on the show. Oh, there probably is. Like who knows like all the good places because in college, the Civil War professor I had, she would always be like, oh, yeah, talk about Shiloh. Oh, you got to go here. They got the best ribs. <laughs> or like every battle, I'm like, I took such good notes, but I never wrote that down. And now I'm like kicking myself years later. Well, I'm one that I will do. I say like, as long as it's got a battlefield and a winery or a craft brewery, I am happy. That's pretty much every Civil War battlefield, I feel like. Yeah, Gettysburg has, I've been to a couple, no, just one of the wi- Adams County Winery. Um, and then I found a couple wineries in Chattanooga. So I'm always like, looking for places like that but i'm sure antietam had had good places because that was close to town the one that i worry about is shiloh because that was really off the beaten out in the middle of nowhere it was Mm -hmm. because antietam you're right there in town well you know within a few minutes yeah harper's very had a lot of nice places to eat it's beautiful there yeah it, it is really beautiful there for sure we have totally digressed we have well that's normal for us anyway um yeah. but in, anyway getting us back on track um so yeah this is where it, jeremy usually goes oh oh <laughs> our, well, we're getting about to our time yep. so so let's get to our two main seconds um we posed the question on facebook and twitter like what are you to our listeners what are you looking forward to reading so thank you to all those who responded um so just really quickly uh john bauer he is uh, frequent listener to our show and he's been a guest as well so thank you john um he's reading um he read doris kearns goodwin's leadership in turbulent times which focuses on lincoln the roosevelt's and lbj and then he said just a quick read for 2019 berlin game check back in december <laughs> and then uh ben holmes i believe he's our british listener right i believe so yeah um, so he read Lincoln's Sense of Humor by Carradine and Lincoln's Melancholy by Shank. The best general Civil War book was A World on Fire by Amanda Foreman. And this year I'm going to read David Blight's Frederick Douglass biography, and I've got Fauner's Reconstruction. So great. Uh, Jen Price, um, she's a, one of my best friends, actually, so thank you, Jen, for weighing in on this. Um, she She read... General George B. McClellan, The Young Napoleon by Sears. And I know that she enjoyed that one very much. I need to read that. And then she's reading um, for 2019. She's really enjoying the book on Gettysburg Cyclorama. I know the one she's talking about. It was co-authored by Sue Boardman, who uh, she gave the lecture that I was at in November. And she wants to read a President Lincoln biography and the General Grant biography by Ron Chernow. And then Jeff, a.k.a. Um, Lincoln Belongs to the Ages, he read American Ulysses Ronald by Ronald C. White. And Ben Holmes chimed in and said that that was better than the Chernow biography. And then Jackson Bly said he read Shooting Lincoln by Nicholas J.C. Pistor. Dan Korowicki, I'm totally butchering his name, The Inner Lincoln. He read it last year. And then Ben Holmes has posed a question, so we'll put this on the show. Has anyone read Becoming Lincoln? It's been nominated for the Lincoln Prize, but I haven't seen any mention of it online. So if any of our listeners know anything about Becoming Lincoln, uh, tweet us or email us or just respond on the Facebook page. Yeah, I felt kind of bad. Like, I'm on this podcast, and then, like, a lot of these people have read, like, better books than me. (laughs) Oh, 
it's and I'm okay. reading Star Wars as you know. Don't put uh, yourself down for that, because reading is reading. And then I need to read that George McClellan Young Napoleon book. I've got his le- I've got a book of his letters from the Civil War. Well, that'd be fun. Too. And they're great to just like. I've done this with a group of people. You open it up and read a letter, and it usually ends up making people laugh. And you're not having to change anything. I, I want to know when the party gets to that moment where you go, let's open up some McClellan letters. <laughs> Does this happen often? Sometimes. Depends on who I'm with. <laughs> is this a good sign or a bad sign? It's a good sign. Oh, that means the party's going well. It then. is, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so on Twitter... True Blue Federalist is reading Blight's biography on Frederick Douglass as well, and Drew Faust on Death in the Civil War, and then one called Abraham Lincoln. He's reading Abe's Youth Collected Works from the Indiana Lincoln Inquiry, and then at Riverside Wings, she said, didn't read enough in 18. She's turning a published short story with a time-traveling female Union Cavalier trooper into a novel right now, and doing a lot of further reading on the Civil War and women in the Army. Just finished Bilby's Small Arms book and reading Long Acres Cav- Calvary one, and Shane. Wait, Han- wait. Was she is she writing a book? You said. Mm-hmm. What What is it about? Time traveling female Union Cavalier Cav Trooper into an. So she's writing, turning a published short story with a time traveling female Union Cavalier Trooper into a novel right now. Sweet. That's very cool. I'd like to see the short story. I know. I think I'm gonna direct message her and ask her what the title is. Um, And then Shane Hampton said he's reading Grant by Chernow and uh, Catton's trilogy about the Army of the Potomac. So thank you to all our listeners who uh, gave us their feedback on what they're reading this year and what they read last year. Yeah, I agree. Awesome feedback, actually. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have to give a shout out to, I think it was John's Beard. On Facebook. If it's like his Facebook profile picture, it's pretty sweet. Oh, Jackson. Jackson. His beard's awesome. So if that's your real beard and you're not and you're not posing, or it's not a fake picture, uh, nice job, sir. <laughs> nice job. And I just, I actually want to do a quick shout out to uh, my friend Liz Bukowski. She actually lives in Gettysburg, but she's in Buffalo right now doing... Um, an art installation that's where she's originally from um anyway she works at the victorian photography studio in gettysburg and on her instagram account on her stories she had she's like okay here's the podcast that i've downloaded to listen to and ours was one of them so thank you liz for that and i will not hold it against you that you're from uh fillmore's hometown she's she's in gettysburg now so yeah rightfully so so she's good so we'll move on to our feature of of the people by the people. Um, do you have one for us, Nick? I've been trying to scroll as we do this. Okay. I've got one if you want me to go while you look. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay, so um, mine comes from Dr. Stacy, and this is one that she tweeted, uh, I think it was last week, but I figure it's been a couple weeks, so we can probably include it. And I thought it was quite appropriate for this episode. The best presidents were readers, lovers of books and words and knowledge. My favorite hashtag POTUS readers are Abraham Lincoln, Theodore Roosevelt, and Barack Obama. And she had retweeted uh, Presidential Trivia's tweet about Theodore Roosevelt 
which says he was a voracious reader, averaging a book a day, even while president. Wow. Yeah, badass. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool tweet. Very cool tweet. You know, I'm going to go, since the Oscars just got announced, um, I'm going to show a little hometown love here. Uh, Minding the Gap, one of the most highly rated documentaries that came out in 2018, was filmed by a Rockfordian, Bing Liu, and it also takes place in Rockford. Um, he got a Oscar nomination for Best Documentary Feature. And based on who got, else got nominated, I think it's probably going to be one of the favorites to win it. So those of you who have not seen it, I recommend watching it. It is on Hulu. It is a fantastic movie. One of the best documentaries I have seen. Um, kind of dives into three kids growing up and escaping through skateboarding. So I don't know if we mentioned it on the show before or not, but I think uh, maybe, yeah. So, yeah. So I just retweeted uh, or liked their Oscar nod. So congrats! I, and uh, I am. I saw Bing Blue. I was in the same room. I didn't say anything to him, but I saw him. Awesome. Yeah, it's a pretty important. I almost made a Dan Sickles joke. <laughs> Mind the gap. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just reading about that last night in the Intruder's Gettysburg book about where Mead basically comes and gives him shit for <laughs> moving moving his entire core. Um, we should do a Sickles episode, too. Oh, God. <laughs> he's a character. Oh, dude, yeah. He's literally, he was crazy for a split moment. Yeah. <laughs> and it was Stanton who was his lawyer, too. Yeah. I just picked up a Stanton book when I was in Fredericksburg. Is it Stars? It's Stanton, Lincoln War Secretary. Yeah, so it's by, but it's by S T A H. Yeah, Walter. Yeah, Walter Star. Yeah, have you read it? I've read a little bit of it, and at the time, I was not in the mood for it. I found it. Um, it was interesting, but it was just a little bit too dry for me at the time. So I was like, I'll come back to this when I'm more feeling it um i think it was like winter of last year and i was just i was needing something to pick me up a little bit so i wanted something a little bit more livelier to read but i do what i read was very interesting and he's also written a biography about seward seward yes yes seward rail splitter drinking game for jeremy that's for you yep (laughs) and so our final feature um this week in lincoln nick has one for us you want to tell us about it yeah, we were talking about this before the show, so I, I was shocked that Mary has not seen this um, because i seen it, I think, a lot during the football games, but then I realized that, um, I don't know why I didn't think about this, but Mary, you were saying you guys do not get the same commercials as we do in the States. No, we don't. So what happens is, like, so we'll have, like, the Fox feed of a football game, but then when we go to commercial, we get Canadian commercials. Because we have to have the CRTC, which regulates Canadian TV, we have to have a certain amount of Canadian content per hour. And that's why we have to uh, have the Canadian commercials. So I totally, when Nick was telling me about this, I was like, what are you talking about? So you're definitely going to need to look this up then. But I believe it's Pizza Hut. There's a pizza commercial. They're in the kitchen. And, like, the two kids are there, and they're, like, grabbing the pizza box. And then you got Dad, who's got the Abraham Lincoln beard primarily 
and he's speaking like Abraham Lincoln with like a five dollar bill and like nobody's listening to him. And he's like, I don't do a good Lincoln, so I'm not even gonna try it. But then he's just something about like, oh, I got it for five dollars, or give you five dollars. Um, I'm sure those of us in the states here, we've probably seen it a lot, especially if you watch the football games. It's been on, so I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> it's just kind of a, I don't know. It's kind of funny. It, it fits the role of this segment. So, but yeah, Lincoln, you know, still alive and. Part of American capitalism. <laughs> That's to awesome. I'll have to, I'm going to have to look it up and watch it now. Yeah, it's pretty good. So I felt like we should get that one while we had it. So Yeah, perfect. And then allowed us to have one on the back burner. Exactly. We're not scrambling mid-show. To yeah, it's like, one. oh my God, what are we going to do? <laughs> because half the time is one of us looking on our phones for it as we're recording. So. Yeah, which is awesome. It's fine. Yes. We find some great stuff that way. Well, I, I think we did it. Oh, uh, we did. Oh, man. Thank you for bearing with us. Yes. <laughs> As Nick and I get through our first episode together. And Jeremy, we definitely missed you tonight. But I think we did okay. Yeah. I wonder if he makes it all the way through the episode or he turns us halfway, turns <laughs> us off halfway through. <laughs> so we will try to be back with you again very soon, hopefully next week with a new episode. Um, until then... Um, on behalf of Real Splitter Nick, and even though he's not here, Real Splitter Jeremy, I'm Real Splitter Mary, and that's all for tonight. So um, keep walking the world with malice towards none and charity for all, and we will see you again soon. <laughs>